Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Project Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Allison Kopf of Artemis Ag, and she is the founder and CEO. Artemis Ag is a cultivation management platform serving the fruit, vegetable, floriculture, cannabis, and hemp industries. And in 2015, Allison won the highly coveted Disrupt Cup at Tech Crunch Disrupt in San Francisco uh, with the seed that would become Artemis. She was named a 2019 Forbes 30 Under 30, as well as one of New York Business Journal's 2019 Women of Influence. Wow. Thank you for being on the show today, Allison. It's great to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, in addition to what I shared in the introduction, let's learn more about you and your background and things you did prior to launching Artemis Ag and getting involved in cannabis at all. What did you do before all that? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I got my start in agriculture about a decade ago now, and I started by working as uh, as the head of operations for a startup at the time that was based in New York called Bright Farms. They're a phenomenal company doing incredibly well, but their whole vision was that they could build uh, greenhouses closer to the point of consumption in these ur- uh, urban and peri-urban communities that normally have a long, complex supply chain for food, and mm-hmm. they could sell things like lettuce and tomatoes, uh, and now focus exclusively on that leafy greens packaged salads market. And so I was spending about half my time working as the, let's say, on-farm data scientist, figuring out ways to increase revenue, how you could produce more in less space, how you could think about different genetics, those types of problems. And then the other half was spent uh, sitting in in permitting offices around the country trying to figure out how we were going to open up new facilities in these new areas that didn't necessarily have access to greenhouses prior. Um, and I really fell deeply in love with the industry as a whole in in terms of the, the growers and the work we were doing and not just the food industry, but the space as a whole, this idea that you could grow in these modernized, uh, in these modernized ways that take advantage of a lot of technology that has come onto the market recently. Um, and so I started my company about five years ago, and we started with trying to solve some of those technology gaps that, you know, there's cheaper, more available technology in our space than there has been in the past 10, 20 years. And, uh, and we have to take advantage of some of these machine learning libraries and cloud-based technologies and these types of things that can really help farmers uh, modernize not only their operations, but their business as a whole. And, and so we built that company over the last five years, and we started growing into the cannabis really just recently over the last year or so. 
after growing into a pretty large market share across perishable and specialty crops like lettuces, tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, those types of crops. Um, we started getting a lot of inbound interest in the cannabis space because what was available on the market today didn't really solve their needs, wasn't as uh, new and innovative as they had been expecting. And you've got a whole new crop of growers who are in this innovative space um, and are thinking about this in a more innovative way and want mobile technology and complex uh, analytics and these types of things that are available. And so we started getting into that space about a year about a year ago and, and now have a full um, cannabis platform available as well. Okay, yeah. So backing up a bit, I, I'm sure you've heard the phrase uh, urban food desert, mm. where there's certain neighborhoods in cities where, uh, you know, there's convenience stores with dry packaged goods, uh, but not necessarily anything fresh. Is that kind of what this bringing uh, greenhouses and growing facilities closer to uh, these urban areas? Is that kind of what you were addressing there? It can. Um, you, the challenge you're going to have with food deserts, it's food deserts tend to be in places that have limited access to perishables, but also it tends to be in low-income areas. And so when you think about greenhouse technology and the produce that you're growing, it usually tends to be expensive to produce and it tends to be um, perishables. You're growing things like leafy greens, microgreens, tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, vine crops, maybe berries. So things that need cold storage supply chains. When you think about food deserts, they don't normally have that infrastructure. So unless you're actually creating that infrastructure as well or partnering with areas that do create that infrastructure, it's really hard to solve that problem. Um, greenhouses certainly can be a part of it. So can vertical farms, so can urban farms, so can all of these solutions. But I think until that, um, that real cold chain storage problem is solved and then also um, making sure that cost is coming down as much as humanly possible can happen. Uh, you can't really solve the food desert issue. What we were tackling was a lot more on the transportation scale. So mm. California produce that's being shipped across the country to places like the Northeast, and it's sitting on a truck for weeks at a time before you ever get to it. So it's that mm. problem where any New York shopper knows that if you go to a supermarket and try and buy lettuce, it's going to be already wilted. You're going to have to sacrifice that it's going to have a short shelf life, those types of issues, um, where if you're growing it closer to the point of consumption and shipping it less and managing your cold chain correctly, you can have a longer shelf life. You can have a healthier, more nutrient-dense uh, tomato. You can have a packaged salad that lasts a lot longer. So that's the problem that we were trying to solve. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Um so, yeah, moving forward, it, 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 you mentioned you brought cannabis and hemp as well uh, into the work that you're doing at Artemis Ag. So how did you decide to bring cannabis and hemp in and, and what's going on at the company moving forward working in this space? Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned about a year ago, we started working with some cannabis growers, some hemp growers. And uh, and they actually came to us. And a lot of the reason was we had built this really robust system for the specialty crop space, which inherently relatively similar to the cannabis space. I'll say it's very different. Like it's drastically different space. But when you think about the processes that are happening, when you think about compliance and you think about reporting and regulatory pressures and you think about those types of things, 
a consumable specialty crop like a tomato and cannabis tend to be relatively similar in the things they have to report on, the things they want to track, the things they want to record. And uh, and they both have a sort of regulatory pressure, whether it's FISMA, the Food Safety Modernization Act, or GAP or HACCP on the food side, or some of the same things like HACCP, but also the state pressure coming on the cannabis side. Um, so we had cannabis growers who were starting to come to us and say, you know, hey, we have a seed to sale system. We have a track and trace system. What we really don't have is an ERP, um, you know, software that's designed around my cultivation operations. And I know that this is what you do. Um, could it be applied to our crops? And we said, hmm. yeah, maybe it can. So we started playing around with it. We started working with some growers and we started testing it out. And what we realized was it was actually directly applicable. It was just missing a few things. There mm-hmm. were just some regulatory things that cannabis has to do that we weren't doing at the time. So over the past year, we've been working with these growers um, pretty closely and started now rolling out, uh, and we're actually getting ready to announce uh, next month that we're going to have a full cannabis system that's completely designed around workflow that people love about our system, but with the mandatory things they have to do. So whether that's shipping manifests and transfer manifests or tracking your product as it leaves your facility to post-harvest and packaging and drying and curing and better stage allocations for all of your your production stages. So it's really exciting. It's actually a really exciting time for us as a product and as a company to be expanding pretty heavily into the cannabis space this year. And it's going to be a major focus for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get more after the commercial break into that compliance and regulations portion for cannabis that you mentioned and and talk more about some of the differences of what you have been doing versus what you're facing now and and about to get really deep into the weeds (laughs) into. (laughs) It's just too easy with these cannabis puns, right? (laughs) Um, so, um, yeah, thanks for sharing, uh, what you're doing with, uh, cultivators and farmers across the country. And we'll get more into that when we come back from our commercial break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back to chat more with Allison from Artemis Ag. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And we're talking with Allison from Artemis Ag. Uh, so we got to know you and your company and the work you're doing a little bit better in the introduction. So now let's dive a little bit deeper. Um, we we in the cannabis industry very much know the, the, the song and dance of compliance. It's a necessary evil. It's a part of regulations. Um, so sometimes they can be pretty burdensome for business owners that are not only trying to run their business and navigate doing that, but also keep up with all this compliance. So far, what are some of these big challenges and burdens that you're seeing for cultivators in cannabis around compliance? Yeah, there's a lot of challenge when it comes to compliance. I think everybody knows this. It's, it's just the thing that if you ask any cultivation operator across even the world, frankly, if you ask anyone in Europe or Colombia or Canada or the U.S. what their biggest challenge is, uh, most often you're going to hear either compliance or scale. And a lot of that comes from really only a few different areas. I'd say one is on the unknowns. So we work with a number of cultivators in Canada, for example, and Health Canada has a lot of different reporting requirements. In fact, if you go to their spreadsheets, it's it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of columns and rows that you have to report on on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And and that's hard for growers because you also know that maybe not a hundred percent of those things are going to be things that are applicable to your business that you're tracking. And so, you know, the requirements aren't that you track a hundred percent of them. It's reporting on the things that you do and making sure that you are tracking every single thing as much as humanly possible. And, and this is just a recurring thing that we hear all the time. And we knew this, this sort of mirrors throughout the food industry as well. Um, and so it's not really new to us. And, and it's funny because it's such a frustration now um, but it'll it'll mellow itself out as time goes on and as more people get into the space and more people figure it out. Um, you know, we saw this in, in uh, you know, FISMA because everybody was really nervous when the Food Safety Modernization Act came out of what exactly they were going to have to report on. What were the, the measurements that they were going to have to take? How were they going to think about it? How could I record it? How could I send my information somewhere? If an auditor comes, what am I supposed to do? Uh, what's different than what I was doing for GAP or HACCP or all these other schemes? So. That question mark leads to a lot of business concerns because at the end of the day, compliance and auditing is expensive. Um, you know, we have uh, 21 CFR Part 11, right, which regulates a lot of the digital record keeping requirements under the FDA. 
Well, one of those things is maintaining. So states require that we maintain an activity log in cannabis. But when you ask folks from state to state or you ask the cultivators what that actually means, everybody tends to default to, well, track everything, right? Let's track all activity, which is a feasible answer. That's a really good answer. But when you're a software company, the question mark becomes, well, what does everything actually mean? If everything means tracking all the activities that happen to a plant or person while they're operating, that's a very different everything than tracking every single thing that could, did not, or did happen in a software system. That's a lot. Because software, right, because software (laughs) can track a lot more than what you think it can track. So there's a really big difference between Allison touched plant X at this time or moved plant X from one area to another, and Allison was supposed to move it from one area to another, never did, but instead did this other thing. And tracking both of those things is going to be a little bit more complex than only one of those. And frankly, only one of them really matters, which is what actually happened to the plant while it was growing. Because at the end of the day, regulatory pressures generally come from, this is an illegal drug federally, and so we need to track it. And two, taxes are going to be applied to it. So we need to make sure that we reconcile what we're actually gaining from a tax base. Uh, Trying to combine those two things and reconcile them in the face of new technology is actually a pretty difficult concept. Um, The second thing I'll say is mostly around the operations side, understanding what standard operating procedures look like, how to implement them, how to think about software, how to uh, maybe not think about software, right? How do you just do this on pen and paper first? All of those processes are pretty difficult to do, and especially as you're an operation that might be scaling up across multiple states, multiple countries, if you're thinking about going public, if you're thinking about M&A activity, everything just becomes exponentially more complex when you think about it in the framework of a state-by-state legalization and regulation. So true. And and sometimes states will change or update their regulations at a turn of a dime, and, and you also have to scramble and hustle and I refer back to the joke, not very funny, but cannabis is regulated more heavily than plutonium at this point. Um, <laughs> so moving on a bit, I mean, you you have some experience, obviously, with the regular non-cannabis agricultural world, fruits and vegetables, produce, mm-hmm. and, and there's plenty of regulations and compliance there, which you've mentioned. Um, so when you compare and contrast non-cannabis and cannabis and what doesn't work, what comes to mind? Yeah. So there's a few things. I think one, you know, the biggest thing that we've got going for us as a, as a software company, when we think about what else is on the market, um, I'd say there's two things. One, we built our user interface in a way that is modern, but also pays attention to the workflow of the plant and the person touching it. And a lot of other folks, didn't necessarily come from an agricultural background. And so they instead built it in a way that makes sense for the regulators, which is, again, reasonable. It's exactly what you would expect if you were uh, working with the regulators first. That's that's exactly what you would think would happen, and it works pretty well. What it doesn't do is provide a value directly to the farm itself and to the cultivators and to the growers who are managing the plants on a day-by-day basis. Instead, it creates a burden of data entry, right? Instead of looking at something that fundamentally helps me plan my work or plan, you know, how many people I need for the day or plan what I'm planting for the day, I have to think about it as just Excel spreadsheets where I'm entering data 
to report it back to regulators. And one of those things helps me increase my business efficiencies, and one of them decreases it by adding a time and data entry boundary. Mm-hmm. And so we built our system for folks who have incredibly low margin, who are only thinking about increasing business efficiencies, and who have to think about, well, I need software, but I need it to specifically work in a way that goes how I move my plants from stage to stage, how I move my people from phase to phase, and how I layer all that information. So our UI maps to what growers would expect. That's one. Uh, two is that we focused on those, that people element. We focused really heavily on work and workers and how those two things combine to make an efficient workforce because labor is a really huge component of your cost. It's usually mm-hmm. about a third of the cost, and so it's going to be a huge cost center for you. If we can help you think about things like, well, how many people are you going to need on a given basis? Or uh, on Thursday, what does my workload look like? Or how can I forecast these things out? We start to change the thinking from it's a reporting tool to actually, no, it's a labor management tool. It's going to help me reduce my costs. It's going to help me think about those things. Um, you know, you can start to plan a lot more efficiently. So those two things we learned and brought over from the uh, non-cannabis space, and they work pretty well. On the on the flip side, things that don't work as well are maybe the unique things that happen in the cannabis space. So um, transfer forms or the things that, you know, as you're talking about this, this regulation and the amount of forms that people have to fill out for moving product around from one place to another, that doesn't really exist anywhere but cannabis. Yeah. So those are unique forms that have to track unique information. Uh, and so those are from the ground up. We've had to um, build those that don't, you know, they don't relate to the, the non-cannabis industry as well. I think the other thing that's really interesting that does translate, by the way, is, and, and doesn't translate, sort of that hybrid in the middle, is uh, some of the staging and how the growers in cannabis versus non-cannabis think about terminology and how they approach the production of crops. You know, a tomato grower has phases of growth, and so does a cannabis grower, but they're called things that are slightly different. So you have to be able to be flexible enough to account for both of those things and make it so that it speaks the same language that I do. So this new cannabis version, um, the new cannabis platform that we're rolling out right now actually has complete customization around terminology and it has a cannabis, it speaks the cannabis language. Whereas before, when early cannabis customers were starting to use our system, it definitely still spoke the language of tomato growers or cucumber or pepper or maybe even floriculture growers. Got it, got it, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for that breakdown. Okay, we're going to take one more commercial break and then we'll come back and wrap up our conversation with Allison from Artemis Ag. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. 
The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. And as we wrap up our conversation here with Allison, there is one more thing I wanted to chat about before we talk about um, things going on with NCIA. I am always fascinated by genetics uh, both the advancement of human DNA mapping, you know, I went and sent my saliva in and got some interesting information back. Um, I did the as, same. Yes, <laughs> it's interesting, <laughs> as well as cannabis genetics, too. Um, and I, I really want to learn more about plant genetics, trace, traceability, gnome mapping. Um, the idea for me is that I'm going to somehow reverse engineer, well, not myself, but somebody will reverse engineer the perfect strain or, or type of cannabis for me, for what I'm looking for. That's my hope. Uh, so what can you tell me about that from your perspective and, and how it's impacting the cannabis industry as we move forward? Yeah, I'm also incredibly fascinated by genetics. I think it's one of the areas that is really ripe for disruption with the new stack of technology that's available. And right now is really incredibly difficult to do, which makes it a really interesting market for entrepreneurship and for um, for, for startup innovation. Um, the hard thing about genetics right now is because it's federally still illegal, um, cannabis being federally illegal, the genetic side is actually really hard to both innovate and also distribute the genetics out to cultivators Mm -hmm. because it's so, so, so regulated. Um, When that starts to break down a little bit and you start to have a little bit more innovation and, and a focus on genetics, you can start to iterate on things faster. You can start to use things like machine learning and potentially AI to actually drive faster breeding cycles and those types of things fascinating but it's still in the future it's still a little bit far out 
What we can do now, though, is we can start to collect a lot of data. So we're still way early in the data collection phase, but we can start to see what is happening and then how to grow it. I was talking to an entrepreneur the other day, actually, who has uh, is building a CBD marketplace, for example. And she's really fascinated by this idea that you could map out sort of what you're talking about, where you can say, well, I'm actually looking for pain relief from CBD. So what strain does that actually have to come from in order to get the best pain relief? Or, mm-hmm. you know, I want X, Y, and Z. So how does that actually factor into growers? What I care about working with growers directly is, okay, well, if I have that data set, can I start to look at what lighting recipe do you need? What irrigation should I be providing to the plants at various times? Can I tweak the nutrients I'm delivering to get a different sort of a makeup or output in my production? And then you can sort of back in from consumer back to grower, back to then the breeding cycle to tweak everything I think the keys right now are, one, we're in a data collection phase, and two, you just need really, really good traceability. And that's one of the things that we focus on is just make sure you track everything, right? If we can track everything from your R&D that you're doing in one room all the way through to where it's getting sold and then your sell-through rates, and so what's popular, what's not, we can start to track that. And then we can start to drive these faster and better uh, breeding decisions. That's great. So, so really, it's just a massive data collection phase at this point, and then someday in the future, uh, we'll be able to crunch those numbers and 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 come up with some information that will be useful to the consumer as as well as feed that information back to the cultivator, which is fascinating. So, I'm looking forward to that day. Absolutely, yeah. um, there's a lot to look forward to in the future as we continue to innovate, absolutely. Um, So our conferences that we host throughout the year, like the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference happening February 19th and 20th in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, The website to register for that is www.northeastcannabisbusinessconference.com. That's gonna be a huge collection of cultivators, uh, software, Um, all kinds of experts in the cannabis industry coming together and learning from each other. And also our um, major national conference is happening in San Francisco this summer, Uh, the the Cannabis Business Summit and Conference. That's our biggest show of the year. That's going to be everybody from all over the country. Um, So I recommend whether you're in the Northeast come to the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference and definitely also think about joining us at the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo in the summer as well for our big show in San Francisco. Um, so as we wrap the show up here, I wanted to say thank you, Allison, for sharing your knowledge about what's happening on, on this agricultural side and what we're doing to push the industry forward where can people find out more about what your company's doing? Yeah, we're, uh, we'll be actually at the Northeast show. So our team will be there. If you're going to be there in person, we'd love to meet up. And you can find us online, artemisag.com. Um, we're on pretty much every social media platform. Um, so you can also find us, Artemis Ag, on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. And you can always reach out to me personally. My email is just A-K-O-P-F at artemisag.com. And so feel free to reach out to me or anyone on our team as well. Awesome. Thank you again for being on the show. And thanks to everybody for tuning in to another episode 
of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.